Hello and welcome to The Pod. I'm Nathan Fink. I'm Jasmine Torres-Allen, and this is New Hampshire Family Now. A show about building family in the Granite State. Today in the show, Jasmine and I examine those strengths that get us through, and later Rochester Child Care Center ED Cora Hoppy talks family, child care, and positivity. You're going to want to grab some sunglasses. Trust me. New Hampshire Family Now is brought to you by the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation. Since 1962, the Charitable Foundation has worked hand-in-hand with generous and visionary citizens to maximize the power of giving and support, collaborate, and lead innovative initiatives. Initiatives like New Hampshire Tomorrow, which is focused on making sure children and families have access to education, health care, and career pathways to ensure every family member thrives. To learn more about New Hampshire Charitable Foundation and all their initiatives, go to www. Dot nhcf.org. This podcast was also brought to you by Family Support New Hampshire. Family Support New Hampshire is NH's coalition of family resource centers and family strengthening programs that exist to ensure Granite State families have access to resources so both caregivers and children can succeed because supported families are strong families. To find a family resource center near you, visit www.fsnh.org. Forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Hi, my name is Nicole from Concord, and our family's superpower is patience because it allows us to get through difficult times together. Margaret, Dublin, New Hampshire. My family's superpower is laughter. I would say getting places on time together as a family is not our superpower. Hi, my name is Karen, and I'm from Hillsborough, New Hampshire, and my family's superpower is embracing Plan C, because Plan A never works, and Plan B sometimes works, but if you can keep your sense of humor and think through it, by Plan C, you usually have a chance. Hi, my name is C4, and I'm from Golfstown, and our family superpower is creativity, and we think to solve problems in ways people wouldn't expect to. That's so cute. I love it. Isn't it just? <laughs> Embrace Plan C. For real. If I, if honestly, <laughs> that is my motto for the year, probably. Embrace Plan C. Yeah, because Plan B was just you reacting to Plan A, yeah. not working out. I mean, it's, for me, it's just so energizing. Well, and also, like, when you say it out loud, you're forced to think about it. Like, you're forced to, you're forced to think about your family dynamic. You're forced to think about how the community supports that family dynamic and you know, does it fit in and how it fits in? Well, we should start the show. I'm Nathan Fink. And I'm Jasmine. And we have a great podcast today, including an interview with Cora Hoppy, executive director of the Rochester Child Care Center. But uh, by the time you hear this, January will probably be behind us. Oh my gosh, that's right. I don't know how to feel about that. (laughs) But, you know, I think I'm doing my best to implement what Dr. Marty Erickson said about being present. And I had this conversation with my wife over the weekend because in our planning around being more present, we're trying to be more cognizant of things like having a sense of humor and what it is, like how is it functioning? Because I think that at times, am I using it to avoid things? (laughs) Is it becoming a crutch? (laughs) And I know you said compassion. Yeah, I said compassion, um, which can equal out to empathy as well. But I often find that that's tested on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Like what happens when you test these superpowers and where is empathy being tested, this thing you rely on? You know, more recently, it's been challenging with my son and I am constantly trying to have 
empathy for his support team mm. and, you know, working through all the issues. And of course, but the, the, the mama bear comes out of me and I want to be the fierce, you know, right. child advocate that my, my son needs. But at the same time, I also need that level of empathy to under, sit down and understand, like, there are things that I have to address in certain different ways. And right. That requires a little bit more of my listening ear. It does. <laughs> so maybe this is it. And <clears throat> apologize. I want to walk down this road about empathy and I'll do it for me too. Yeah. Where our superpowers, where we kind of, I don't want to say over rely on them, but where they lead us because empathy is huge. Yeah, it's huge, but it can also lead you to a no boundaries kind of lane. Right. And that's something that's like a way that can lead you astray. But at the same time, it's a challenge on you to learn how to place boundaries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's one of those fine, fine lines that you have to walk of, you know, you can be tested and be pushed astray. And maybe that's the time you learn for boundaries, or maybe you're pushed in the other direction and you're really supported and people really respond in a different way when you're more empathetic. Well, you're walking into a situation. If your reaction is empathy, deep empathy and compassion, that you are set up to be in a position of deeper caring. So when you think then about boundaries and about how your family uses empathy to negotiate difficult times. Where are you aware of your own empathy with regards to boundary setting? Um, I would say like when, you know, we were talking about being present in the family and technology as our kryptonite. Right. Um, sometimes I, I empathize with like my husband when he wants to like scroll through his phone or play right. PlayStation or whatever it is. Or if my daughter wants like 30 minutes of TV time, you know, I empathize because I'm like, they've had a long day. They need some time to, you know, cool down. But then I also realize that it's so important that we at least take some time to be present present with each other and stay connected. And that's when I have to create the boundaries around my empathizing and my rationalizing, because that's also what I do too. And so sometimes that's a, it's a good way to to kind of check myself and say, okay, you can be empathetic and understand that they've had a long day and maybe they need a little downtime, but there are different ways to go about that. And I just have to think about how to best support that connection. So if that's the case, how do you then break through that to say, you know, I empathize, but this is what I need. It's communication. It's a, and, and, Communication takes time and practice, right? Because I, I and because I can say communication, that sounds really easy. But for some people, you don't have the words maybe to be, establish boundaries when you're an empathetic person or to still advocate for the things that you need despite, you know, empathizing. And I really just encourage trying to communicate and talk things through as much as possible or to as much as your understanding, because sometimes that communication can be a barrier and you just don't know how to communicate. Maybe, you know, there's different ways to do that. Yeah. And I think I'm thinking about humor quite a bit because this past weekend, my wife and I were talking about budgeting and it's, it, I mean, honestly, looking at our bank account, it's not funny. Mm, yeah, these days, I don't there's, think it's funny. <laughs> no, there's nothing funny about the choices that we have to make for the sustainability and security of our family. It's just not funny. And there was this moment where I was approaching, wait, is my desire to make a joke of this actually prohibiting a clear eyedness around this issue? Mm. You know, and then I started to think about, The superpowers that I wish I had, I wish I were organized. I wish I were 
more patient than I am. That's a good one. I, I also always... wish I was six one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, but uh, um, that's that's a really good point to make. I think about like definitely patience is at the top for me, just because I I'm a, such a go getter and I'm, you know, I want to do things right the first time. And you know, sometimes you think of like perfection being a superpower, but you know, even perfection has its own kryptonite. Tell me the last time you did something perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. It's exactly right. Where I, I look at it and I think, okay, where did that humor, instinct toward humor come from? It came from an overabundance of emotion, emotionality. Right. And so I didn't know what to do with those emotions when I was in adversity. So I had to figure out how to hide them in a way that also made it better for others. Mm. See? When, yeah. When I phrase it like that, it's awfully hard to think right. about. Right. Right. And I'm not saying that it's without its own benefit because it certainly is but at what at what cost yeah at what cost at what cost because i i even think about like that kind of makes me think okay well you know if my son's angry feeling angry then i just need to hug him more i need to do this more and and that's where that empathy kind of comes in and that rationalization comes in and sometimes that's not what he needs. Yeah. And so I have to kind of figure that out sometimes. Like you say, like that, that humor can be like a crutch. But for me, that empathy is a crutch, too, because I want to so bad understand what's going on right. in my child's head and my, in my child's emotions sometimes right. that, you know, you want to empathize as much as possible as a way of connection. And then you th start to think about things like, to me, self-care. Mm. The journey of your uh, of us as caregivers is all about making sure the environment of those in our care is as nurturing as we can make it, which is difficult because there is no perfect. Right. I listened to this podcast about this woman. Oh, apparently, first of all, apparently you cannot breed hermit crabs in captivity. Oh, okay. I'm glad you're here for this. <laughs> so apparently you cannot do that. And so every hermit crab you've ever seen in captivity was removed from the wild. Breaks my heart a little bit. That's the compassion in you. <laughs> Okay, so there was this wonderful podcast on Radiolab about this woman who became fascinated with hermit crabs and figured out how to breed them. And she did that by, at first, she was over-nurturing, over, over, and they kept non-breeding, non-breeding. And she had this moment of clarity because she was so frustrated where she said, wait a minute, be like the ocean, be like the ocean. And so some days she's like, I don't feel like cleaning the water. Some days she was like, I feel like making a mess in there. And lit, you know, all of a sudden the Herman cramp started breeding. Okay, super long aside. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess the point is, is kind of like, when you look at the way your, your, your nurturance, your empathy developed, and I think the same thing about my humor, and then I look at the environment, how do we make sure that families have the ability to build more superpowers. Absolutely. And I think that goes to building community and, and building a community or a village around you, I feel like helps build not only your superpower, but that additional like, oh, I have a new superpower. Oh, I didn't know I had that superpower. And it's just because sometimes being around other people in perspectives can bring that out of your family and, and you. Yeah. And when we come back, Cora Hoppy, Executive Director of the Rochester Child Care Center, joins us. Don't go anywhere. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Hi, this is Kali and Sam from Lee, New Hampshire, and our family superpower is 
Forgiveness. Hi, this is Anthony in Manchester, New Hampshire. And my family's superpower is the ability to come together when needed to. Hi, my name is Jen. I live in Berlin, New Hampshire. And my family's superpower is unconditional love and support. Hello, my name is Borja, and I'm in Manchester, New Hampshire. And my family's superpower is sense of humor. And sometimes we do it in Spanish. And just a quick note that throughout February, New Hampshire Children's Trust will be announcing the Unsung Hero Award recipients, celebrating parents and caregivers who, despite significant challenges, have created nurturing environments for their children by building a community of support. Be sure to follow New Hampshire Children's Trust feeds for inspiring stories of real Granite State superheroes. Today's episode was brought to you by Upreach Therapeutic Equestrian Center. Located in Goffstown, New Hampshire, Upreach partners with the power of horse to create strong children, strong families, and strong communities. To learn more about Upreach Therapeutic Equestrian Center and its many inspirational programs, visit upreachtec.org. That's upreachtec.org. Today's show was also brought to you by Burgu Media, a full-service media company dedicated to helping nonprofits realize impact stories for print, video, social and legacy media, and more. Both budget-conscious and grant-friendly, Ergo Media helps your organization celebrate the humans in human services. Learn more at ergomedia.com. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today in the show, I'm thrilled to be joined by Cora Hoppe, Executive Director of the Rochester Child Care Center and the most recent New Futures Kids Count Scholarship winner and fellow panelist at a recent Early Childhood Regional System convening, which I think is how I convinced you to do this. I don't think you convinced me. I was excited we met. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's no convincing. Well, I do have to say, I think my lucky star is that at that convening, when we sat on the panel, I spoke before you because when you speak, you've got so much energy and excitement and your passion just bleeds through. I appreciate that. I'm classically trained, though. I did a lot of debate when I was in high school. So like <laughs> I just get excited. But yeah. I appreciate that. It's easy to get passionate. But I want to know, you know, that passion has to come from somewhere. I'm actually a military brat. So I've lived all over the place. But I was born at peace. But when I got back here, 13 of my friends had passed. And I thought, why them and not me? Mm. And so when I had my first kid and I first fell in love with him, I understood at that moment in time, how important it was just to yeah. be there. A lot of my friends didn't have that opportunity because their parents were constantly working right. or they too were struggling with some kind of substance misuse or mm. barriers to healthcare, um, rural areas. So a lot of my friends seemed trapped. So my passion comes from my love for my friends and honoring their death. And then my second comes from children. Yeah. I never wanted kids. Actually, I was going to be a businesswoman and take on the world. And then I got pregnant right before my bachelor's. But they prepare you for diapers. They prepare you for formula, breastfeeding, all those other nightmares. But they don't prepare you for that love you feel in that moment for that child. And it's weird because it feels like when you have kids, they peel back the layers of what's possible within you. Right. I actually, I didn't, uh, I really think about how my relationships develop with my children through play. And that's when I truly fell in love with being a parent. It wasn't figuring out discipline. It wasn't figuring out so much myself, but being lost in those moments mm -hmm. that you are just playing or just being with them or just watching them become. Because I thought like you had to almost control them, but then they taught me to, well, maybe you let should control. Yes. yes. Let go a little and bit. And just let be. Clearly, you and I have learned something about ourselves from our children. But I also think that like, 
I've learned something about this grouping, this unit. Yeah. If you look at your family and you and you had to find your own family superpower that keeps you guys moving, what would you say it is? Our ability to find injustice in all things. All right. Like <laughs> I did not expect. I that. know. Like I'm telling you, my kids are the best at it. They will find anything that seems like it's not right and be able to point it out and say, "How can we make it better?" Oh my god. Which is why I fell in love with my children so much too. Um, for example. One of the things we're really struggling with right now is why are certain people are allowed to have a home and other people aren't? So our power of injustice and finding that and then kind of dissecting it and trying to figure out how what we can do to do better. It's it's so interesting that you say this because, you know, like so I come from a teaching background. And when I learn something like your kids are learning that it positively affects either me or my family or my circle, I instantly want to pay it forward and teach others. And I kept thinking about this because I think, you know, your role as an executive director of a child care center, which for me, I credit child care with teaching me what I needed to know. So I, I was curious about when you look at your life and where your passion came from and you see these young families coming through your door, what is your hope for them on their journeys in their lives? I think one of the biggest struggles right now is that children really suffer because of the family's barriers. And I really want them to know that this suffering and struggle will lead to something better Mm. because childcare is a village. Fathers, grandfathers, you know, grandmothers who come in and give all this support to us. So it's really just unifying that support that already exists within our community and kind of exploiting that for all of our families. Like you don't just come here for childcare. You come here because we care for you and your whole being. And that is the child and the family. Yeah. You know, our childcare provider first noticed at two, uh, when our son, my son was uh, also diagnosed with ADHD. She's like, you know, I just want us to notice this together. It's not wrong. It's just your son's you know, his state. And so we started talking about what that meant. And then years go by and she encouraged us to, you know, start to talk to educators, start to talk to different administrators, start to talk to OT. And now my son is this incredibly well thought, uh, uh, sensitive eight-year-old with this perspective that when I go back to that moment, I think there is no possible way that we could have done that without that family. I love that because they teach you to meet the kid where they're at, right? Right. Yeah, no, I, my kid was diagnosed early with, at four years old with ADHD. So I didn't understand that. I thought it was just academics. I didn't understand social emotional. So we didn't feel feelings. So they were the ones who entered. Not only did he have ADHD, but now we got to learn how to feel feelings. And I would have never known that if it wasn't for them. And then they directed me to the right trainings. I got involved with Families First and did Parenting Journey. And really, it was just those small pieces that the child care had offered me that got me to the right place I needed to be. To navigate it, right? Yes. So, and I'm so glad you mentioned Parenting Journey and Families first because I have been obsessed with this idea of examining how you were raised so you can make choices about how you'd like to raise. So uh, walk with me down that path because I've never been able to talk to somebody who went through it. So as you walked backward through your parenting journey into child, Cora, 
What were some of the things that you started to notice and some of the things that maybe you had to wrestle with? So I did Parenting Journey twice. So it's a 12-week course, but I loved it that much. I did it twice and I was able to help out with another group to help support mentor through it. Um, it opens my eyes to my family doing the best they could at the moment with what they were given. Mm. And even though my mom yelled at me or we were military, so we moved constantly and it was a lot of this hurry up and wait, we were always together and I knew she did her best whenever she could. So I was able then to take that thought process and apply it to myself because we're always taught to love people around us. We're not always taught to love ourselves. And parenting journeys allowed me to forgive my family for all the wrong that I thought they had caused me and then move forward and forgive myself. Nobody knows what they're doing. And we've had a million books put out now, and I'm just not sure which book to read at that moment. (laughs) So it was nice to have like that family away from your family to kind of heal and understand that we're all trying our best. Yeah. That's actually give you license to give, lend yourself some grace, some space. Yes. So interesting. Once you did that, once you basically forgave your parents and then also gave yourself license to kind of feel, how did your approach change moving forward? Uh, Ease actually was allowed to be in my life, right? I wasn't in a rush to make decisions. I wasn't in a rush to force my beliefs on my child anymore. I was allowed to just be and watch them be, which was huge. It changes dynamic because you're not so worried about controlling them and screaming at them, making sure everything's in a perfect place. It's just like, no, these these next 20 years of your life are going to go by this quick. And you need to enjoy these moments because you'll always be able to clean the house. You won't always be able to hear your kids laughing. So did you then uh, notice yourself making specific choices about what stays and goes? Yeah. Yeah. My my love for myself, and my family continue to stay and everything around me will change. And that's OK. But it's a good anchor to have knowing that we can always go back to our love. If you had to define what family is right now to you, mm-hmm. what would you say? It's love. And family isn't just genetics. It's it's really that being of letting others be themselves around you and not having that judgment. So my family, I thought, was like this small. It was just the four of us. But now it's my family, my extended family, my work, my village, and my community. So it made me give my love out to more. Mm. I didn't have to hide it anymore. Gosh, you should. You know what? You're so stinking positive. You should have your own theme song. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't caught me after like a truly rough day after about 10 hours for as nice as I can be and positive but I have good support system around me well Cora it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on the show thank you I appreciate your inviting me and letting me be on for more information you can go to rochesterchildcare.org that's rochesterchildcare.org this podcast was brought to you by Nixon Peabody who delivers exceptional legal services for clients in the community by combining high performance an entrepreneurial spirit deep engagement and an unwavering commitment to a culture of collaboration diversity and humanity Nixon Peabody works with universities hospitals and nonprofits of every size to maximize impact for more information visit nixonpeabody.com many thanks to the Samuel P. Hunt Foundation for sponsoring this podcast. Established in 1951, Samuel P. Hunt Foundation is a Manchester-based, independent nonprofit that provides grants primarily for the arts, children and youth services, faith-based organizations, educational institutions, healthcare, and human services. New Hampshire Family Now is listed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or ask your smart speaker to play New Hampshire Family Now.